Man Show is about to begin. If you're looking for a dull, feel-good religion, or clap your hands, sit around the campfire kumbaya, you've come to the wrong place. We are dealing with toxic levels of authentic masculinity. I would say good luck, but luck is for pagans. Advent to all, and welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. I'm Adam Minahan, sitting with David Niles. This show is brought to you by Jesus. Indubitably. <laughs> because there's, we almost... <laughs> he's our big sponsor. He's our big sponsor today. Uh, the show did not, was looking a little grim, like it wasn't going to be recorded. Let me just tell you. Um, you know, technical problems occur. They happen, all right? Today, they are happening. Yes. Uh, for some reason, you, so you decided to put in a new desk because you were going to be working from home right. uh, in the studio here, mm-hmm. and the old desk was terrible. It, it was, like, it was really, so we have bad. Hod- we have hodgepodge this studio so bad. Like, when you see it on YouTube, we only like, let you see a very specific... <laughs> Yeah, angle. It's a tight shot. When we have guests that come into the episode, if you're watching studio, us on YouTube and you could see anything wider, yeah. then all of a sudden, it, it's not as it spectacular. Goes, it goes downhill. <laughs> yeah, when we have guests on and they've watched the show, you know, on YouTube or something, they walk into the studio and they're like, "Oh, this is it. This is not what I expected this, it to look like." Right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So I like I, I got a new desk for us because. It needed it. We desperately needed one. Yeah, it was terrible. Uh, and I'm gonna buy. It, I got another desk that's coming in for. And you got a hand crank, uh, standing standing up, raise up and down, and it yeah. hand cranks like it's legit. Like a boss. Look when the uh, when when the uh, EMP goes off, that standing desk it's still gonna function. It's still gonna work. Yeah. Um, and so I'm getting another desk for my like work desk that I'm, I'm going to be working from home. And when you do this, you know, the rearranging of everything is like, well, listen, we kind of unplugging like the stuff from the computer. Right. And, and then like r- running it, it through the new wire holes and like, it's a, you don't, it's, a task. it's one of those things you start doing thing like, Oh, I'm just going to knock this out. This will be fun. Yeah. I'm just going to knock this out real quick. I'm going to throw on a, a, an audio book real quick and I'm just going to listen and just like, uh, rewire everything. Yeah, and, and then he, 35 hours later, you've already gone through the full audiobook, and you have seven holes in the wall because right. you've thrown uh, the computer through the wall several times. That's exactly right. And you, you had to re, probably redo something a couple times. You realize, like, oh, dang it, I just... This cord's not long enough I now. just Yeah, or I just ran it the right... And oh, I missed one spot I wanted to get, take. Right. Anyway, that's but that was all you did. It's not like we were like installing new software all of a sudden nothing on the computer decided to i mean it's like oh nope sorry we, that's not gonna work we're not working we're not the working disc working. is full it kept telling us that the disc is not full people okay <laughs> we we know we're the familiar with it is, the disc it's lying to us yeah we're gonna figure it out though we'll figure it out uh anyway so if if you actually are hearing this episode god's grace pulled us through mm-hmm. um and we're very grateful. We're not even sure if it's recording right now, but we're gonna. <laughs> we're just gonna assume we're gonna have faith, and we're gonna yep. say some stuff. And if it doesn't, then, then well, then praise I'll be, be God. Then I'll be mad about it later. But yeah, uh, and we didn't we didn't stream any of this because we were like, listen, no extra stuff. Let's have just no idea. We're, let's just make it work. So, a uh, season of Advent is a short Advent year this year, which is kind of a bummer. Kind of a bummer. Um, I enjoy Advent. I like prepping. For Christmas, it's a season of hope. I like giving me a little bit more time to work on the carols with the kids, so we can go caroling. Uh, you know, being able to one of the things that we try to do in our house is before Christmas for Advent is we have all the kids pick toys from the toy bin that they either don't use as much anymore mm-hmm. or that they like. Yeah, not not all the junk toys, but just the ones right. that that 
they like, but they don't maybe play with as much anymore. And then we, we put them all in uh, bags, and then we go take it down to Catholic Charities for their toy drive or something like that. Yeah, it's a great idea. Um, it, it's know, a win-win. It's a win-win. Like, you declutter, and then you also, like, teach them the virtue of generosity and being caring for others. And so it just gets all crammed pack into a couple weeks, you know, because we almost have, like, a full week less. Yeah, well, I think... Because uh, Christmas is on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this is the shortest Advent, Advent season. Because la- if it was on a Sunday, you would have a whole extra week, right? Right, right. Yeah, so... Uh, last year it was on a Sunday. And, you know, the Minahans, sometimes I don't do a great job of getting the Advent wreath out on the first week of Advent. Mm. See, that's in Pamela. That's Lady Pamela's department. And anything... All, all of a sudden... Basically anything inside... Her department, mm-hmm. almost everything. Mm-hmm. Certainly, decorations, Advent wreath in the Niles in the <laughs> Dude, Niles household. Please? It falls into the decoration. Can we please? I know we've told this story before, but it is so <laughs> worth it. Can we please tell about my decorating style? <laughs> yes. Sure, I would love to. <laughs> so this is a this is a true story. Um, I had just bought my old house, right the right the one the, right the one you know right across the street over there. Yeah. Um, and gosh, it was such a good feeling. It's my right. first house, you know. Um, and you know, it's just like I'm in my own house, you know, do my own thing, all this stuff. I get to put my furniture wherever I want. That's right, exactly. Yeah. And Pamela and I started dating, you know, and so she came over and she had been over a few times and then she was leaving for the evening one time. And on the way out, we walked, we walked, we're walking through the living room and she stopped and, you know, and she looked at me and said, you know what I think would look really good is a picture right here. And when she said that, it was like, like time went (laughs) and I like stopped in like this moment and like in my mind, it was like a slow motion turn and look around the whole room and like, and in my mind, the whole house. And I looked at her and said, Pamela, the idea of decorating has literally never occurred to me. <laughs> like, it just wasn't even a thought that, like, maybe I should maybe hang I something should up on the wall. Put, so like, and I looked at the, like, the mantle, bare. <laughs> Every single wall. Bear. Was it just a blank <laughs> slate? Now there was a, a crucifix in every room, and I thought, done, nailed it. It looks awesome. <laughs> um, which actually later she told me like she appreciated because uh, she didn't have to deal with any like bro pictures. Yeah, you know, like hey, look, I want that my, beer sign, like the beer sign, <laughs> or like my dogs playing poker. Right, like that that. That is a good, that's a good picture. Yeah. You know, you, there's nothing to deal with. No. And so she, she just had, had she had, she had, clean slate. She had freedom, yeah. right? It was just anything, anywhere. But the idea of hanging it, a picture on the wall. It literally had never occurred to me. <laughs> Not that I thought I'm against it. and just hadn't even thought. <laughs> that's like, okay, we've told this story a long time ago as well, but so this week we're having our Theology at the Tower, which is our annual fundraiser for the Catholic radio station that you and I own. Yeah. And it is the fundraiser in which we started, because we realized we have to raise money, and uh, it carries us for the whole year. So like what we raise, yeah. what we raise this week is going to carry the radio station for the full year, hopefully, God yeah. willing. And the very first year we did it, we were like, hey, here's what we should do. We should ha- have a, a, an event with a live Q&A with, with priests up at the panel. We'll, have, we'll t- take the questions from the audience, and we'll have like this back and forth Q&A. Yeah. yeah. And as we started going, we got closer and closer to Which the is time. still the format we use. Yeah. We, great format. It's a great format. I, 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 think it, I think it works really well. Highly recommend. It's, uh, it's an awesome evening. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's the best or the funnest uh, fundraiser in Tulsa. That's what I everyone think. tells us. That's what everyone says to us. Yeah. So anyway, we're we're like pre- uh, preparing the for the very first the very first year, and we're yeah. like getting down to I don't know like two months beforehand. Yeah. And we maybe were, maybe less maybe less, and we were like hoping like maybe maybe we can get you know 150 people, and like what if we raise like ten thousand dollars? Well, at the time, our expenses were about a thousand dollars a month. Right. And so we said if we could raise 
like, if we could raise like $6,000, that would cover half of our expenses mm-hmm. for the whole year. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be awesome. What if we raised like $12,000? And wouldn't have to do anything for like, this. Like, we'd pay for the whole year. Right. And anyway. As we were, as we were going, thanks be to God that our wives started like Gosh. asking us some questions. Without my, without my woman in my life, or my woman and my wife. Life. Yeah, it would be the the train wreckiest wreck. Disorder. Yeah, it'd be crazy. So anyway, they, I would have no idea. They like, stopped us what and I was said, like, uh, "Oh, by the way, so hey guys." They kind of cornered us. Yeah, and they said, "Hey guys, we just want to talk to you for a second about this fundraiser." As I remember, it was more of like, "We need to know." <laughs> yeah, you will tell us right now. So you're having a fundraiser. What are your plans? Yes. W- what are you gonna do? And I, I said exactly what I just told you guys. And they're like, well, what about food? And we're like, well, we'll just yeah, we order were so, we were gonna or, we're gonna order pizza. Yeah, we'll just order pizza. And then they look, what about tablecloths? And I said, like, we're not gonna have tablecloths. <laughs> Give me a break. Get out of here. And then they said, what about a centerpiece? And we we're like, no, there's no centerpieces. No. And then at that point, and I and I think I said, we'll get those plastic, you know, like disposable tablecloths. Yeah, it'll be fine. And then and then they said no. And then they said no. We're taking over. And then, and thanks be to God, they did. Yeah, because that night when we got there, it was like, man, it looks good in here. Who did this? Yeah. Is that you guys? This just goes to show you that there's no way that anything that we do is running any of this. Pamela has all my best ideas. And Haley is way holier than I am. That's true. So when we get back, we're going to talk about uh, this whis- this delicious whiskey. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned but it. But then we're going to talk about the celebration of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. The season of Advent is more than just a countdown to Christmas. It's a season for hope. Are you filled with hope? Amidst all this noise and chaos in the world, are you hopeful? Well, the team at Exodus has a brand new spiritual exercise to help you grow in the theological virtue of hope as you journey to Bethlehem with Joseph and Mary. During this season of Advent from Exodus, you, along with Exodus men from around the world, can make a focused effort in growing in hope while offering up some important sacrifices for those that you love. The disciplines of Exodus 90 are pretty challenging, let's be honest. But for Advent, the Exodus team has made it a lot more accessible for any of you who might be on the fence of doing something like that. In short, you'll commit to 20 minutes of daily prayer, you'll work on rooting out cynicism and sarcasm, and you'll try try to be present at all holiday parties. There's a complete list that you can check out, startmyexodus.com. Again, if you wanted to grow in the virtue of hope, you need to join us at startmyexodus.com. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're about to get into the whiskey. We didn't even mention it. You're telling some I'm good already, stories. I'm already, some good in, I'm already into it. Actually. Old stories. Those are oldies but goodies. Yeah. God has done funny things to me sometimes. He still does. So true. And looks really, isn't even the first one. Mostly they're funny to other people. What those? That's kind of the way my funny stories go. I've just learned to enjoy them, and I'm really glad I'm one of your best friends. So today we're drinking. This is another Scotch Malt Whiskey Society product. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so this is a Speyside from uh, the distillery Glenelgen, over in the land of Scott. Um, and uh, it's called Double Dessert. So um, what they're doing here. This is a second fill charred wine barrique barrels. That's the cast type. It's a 16, 16 year, 59.1% alcohol. Um, the tasting notes are cherry sweets, marzipan, and raspberry ripple ice cream merged with toasted marshmallows and pencil shavings while we dipped freshly baked bread into melted milk chocolate. Warming spices on the palate embrace chilies and ginger before chi- before Chinese five spice, <laughs> aniseed, and cardamom coated banana skins and coconut husks. Water opened out the aromas to unveil the creme brulee served with muscat muscat dessert wine, juicy melon and sage leaves in orange oil, ripe banana, 
pineapple, and cherry pie now joined the dried figs. Red licorice, toasted almonds on rich fruitcake served with chamomile tea. After 13 years in a bourbon hogshead, we transferred this to a charred, to a charred red wine barrique for three, three more years. It's incredible. It is one of the most unique whiskeys I think it's I've amazing. ever had. So um, this one is still in stock. So if you're a, if you're a member of the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, or you could go and become a member, and this is, uh, it's called Double Dessert. Double mm. Dessert. And it is, it is a dessert right yes. here. We also um, just released our 2023 gift guide. Have you had a chance to look at it? I not yet. I did not send it to you. Not yet. I have not. Are you looking for an idea for gifts? I, I need ideas. 70 of them. We have 70 on our gift I guide. I saw it on Twitter. Okay. 70 different gifts. That's, a lot, gifts. that's, a, lot, that's like a lot of gifts. That's a lot of gifts. So anyway, you If can you go, bought all of them, how much would it cost you? Oh, I don't know. There's one. Uh, I mean, I put the um, espresso machine on there. Yeah. As, a, as one. That's like 650 bucks. Do we have um, the altar, like a from no, custom? You know Catholic what? I thought company? about that after I done it. I was like, "Dang it!" That's also a good man, but that that'd be a nice gift. That would be a really nice. Do you gift. like someone a lot? Yeah. <laughs> Get him um, a custom made altar. That should have been something I would should have done. Dang it! Anyway, uh, yeah, you can go check that out. TheCatholicManshow.com. If you want one, though, you can come to our fundraiser. Yeah, because we're on off. December first. Mm-hmm. Because there will be one at auction. Yes. Now, you won't get to customize that one because it's already made, and there it is. You take it home with you that day. But it is beautiful. I may buy it. Pretty sweet. So, uh, Hey, so let's talk about the Mass. I personally love the Mass. It's the basis and the essential part of Christian culture. It is. So what I've done... Even though leisure, they say... Yeah, leisure is a big part of it. The mass is the height but, of leisure, though. The, the ma- ex- no. Sorry, I didn't mean to steal so, your thunder. No, it's fine. It's but fine. you can't have it back. It's fine. I like it. I got it fair and square. I'm keeping it. So typically we don't get into, at the Catholic Mansion, we do not get into the liturgy wars, or we don't get into uh, you know, the news, the press of what's happening in the mm-hmm. church today. It's right. not something that it... That, not because not we don't jam. have opinions. We no. do have opinions, Yeah, but we just don't feel like our opinions are going to help you get to heaven. So... That's right, and well, like, they might, but uh, w- w- there's uh, more important things. Yeah, so we, we want to. What we typically on. try to focus on are virtues. We try to t- focus on like what have the church fathers said, what have, you know the great saints have said, yeah. and like what can we pull how to live virtuously. And if you're living right. virtuously, then your opinions will be well informed about those other things. Right, um, and so, but t- today I, we're going to talk about the mass, and mm-hmm. but we're not. It's not going to be our words. The church is saying these the things. The church is saying these things. If you've been listening long enough, you know that one time I said that. And it was so bad. <laughs> no, I don't even know if they would hear it because I think we got rid of it. Yeah, but we told the story. Yeah. We did have to get rid of it because it was so bad. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about extraordinary... Uh, no, we were talking about altar servers. Mm-hmm. No, it was extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. And I was misinformed about some things. And... I was saying something, and I was like, look. And it was kind of like tough. It was like, this is a tough thing to tough, say. Tough pill to swallow. Yeah, it's like, take that. And I was like, look, don't get mad at me. I'm not saying it. The church is saying it. Turns out, I was saying it. <laughs> Turns out, that's not what the church says. Just me. <laughs> so, it was so bad. We tried to like, it's like, well, can we Edit take down. that part out? It's like, nope, the whole thing's got to go. <laughs> nope, because Dave went on a six-minute rant. It was, a long, about- it was kind of a long rant. <laughs> That's what happens when you do your own opinions on stuff sometimes. Okay. So, so what are we going to pull from today? So this like, is this is exclusively from the germ. I don't I, I did The know. germ is the it's G I R M, the general instruction from the for the Roman Missal. Mm, yes. Okay. Um I think it's been a man gear when we used it to It has those. been a man, it has been a man gear in the past, yeah. Um and a lot of it, some of it is dry in, you know, that like, oh, this is what you do. This is what the priest does. Um, it's not the Roman Missal. So the Ro- the Roman Missal has more of the turn around, put your hand, like telling the priest what to do. Sometimes you'll hear people talk about priests in the mass, you know, do the red, say the black. Because mm-hmm. in red letters, 
In the Roman Missal, it tells the priest step by step what to be doing, down to like what posture at certain parts, of the, and then like say this, you know, when the when this song begins, when the um, congregation is to ride, to stand or sit or whatever. Um, so the general instruction of the Roman Missal gives you know more context and um, some of that same information, but it's it's just not so bland. Um, and it talks a little bit about why it is that we're doing those things, right? Um, and in the beginning, the int- the introduction is basically quoting Sacrosanctum Concilium, the Vatican II doc. Yes, the Vatican that Vatican II document, um, which on I, the liturgy, on the liturgy, right? Which I have not read start to finish, but there are just a, many, many beautiful things in that. It's, it it seems mm-hmm. like a very beautiful document. So. Um, I just wanted to pull out some of the things that I thought were either interesting, beautiful, or helpful, or maybe you didn't know about. And I say maybe that I say that because maybe I didn't know about. Okay. Um, and so if it fell into one of those categories, we're going to talk about it today. For you. Well, we're all going to talk about it. Right, but those are the categories that you. Those that was the yeah I was the one making I was the, the one call. Uh, yeah I had all the power here today. Okay. And so. That's how it, that's how I chose to wield I'm in, that I power. Am nervously excited. Okay, I like it. Hopefully, it's it'll live up to this whiskey because man, yeah, this man, is good. It's good, yeah. So it says the celebration of the mass as the action of Christ and of the people of God arrayed hier- hierarchically. It's a tough word. Hierarchically. Hierarchically. Yeah, is the center of the whole of Christian life for the church, both universal and local, as well as. For each of the faithful individually. That's right. Um, so, and it goes on to say, for in it is found the high point, both the action by which God sanctifies the world in Christ and of the worship that the human race offers to the Father, adoring him through Christ, the Son of God in the Holy Spirit. Um, and I just thought that was so important that it is the Mass that is sanctifying the world, mm-hmm. right? That's literally the action. It's the it's the mechanism. You know, it's obviously grace. Grace is what is sanctifying the world, but the delivery method, the medium through which that grace is poured out upon humanity is the mass. And I think that if if you take time to meditate on that and just realize the significance of, you know, the consequences of what that means and what that means for me when I attend Mass, it just the, the profundity of the action that, you know, for us as Catholics, and admittedly, can become monotonous, okay? You know, especially if you attend daily, like, if you go to Mass every day, there's no way that it's not monotonous. It becomes habitual, it becomes repetitive, right? And that's okay, We just need to um, be vigilant because all prayer, you know, it's like when you say the Our Father, how many times do you finish and then realize like, oh, I just said the Our Father, you know, and Mm -hmm. it happens to me 95, maybe 99% of the time where it's like I start off like really like meaning the words and then somehow very quickly Mm -hmm. Like, I blank, and it's over, and it's like, oh, I forgot to mean the rest of the prayer, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, So I think it's interesting that if, so Christ gave the authority to the church on how to worship, mm -hmm. right? And he instituted the Mass uh, and said, like, gave the instructions, "This this is the ultimate form of worship for the church. Right. And then handed it off, handed it over to the church to protect and, 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 and to pass on to the generations so that his people, our Lord's people, could participate in and uh, be nourished by mm-hmm. uh, the highest form in which our Lord saw fit to worship him. Correct. And because we owe everything to him, it is just... Which religion is a subversion of justice. Correct. So it's just that we follow this and yield to what the church tells us in, to do. In obedience. In obedience. Because the Mass is all about obedience. This is how Christ, God, this is how God wants to be worshipped. So we'll continue talking about this on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. 
Hey guys, I know most of you are planning on coming with us to the Holy Land, but we've had to call an audible due to everything that's happening, and we're going to go to Poland instead with Father Patrick Briscoe, still going to be there with us, the Dominican Friar, the editor of Our Sunday Visitor. April 3rd through the 14th, it's a 12-day pilgrimage. We're going to go walk in the land of St. Faustina, St. Maximilian Kolbe, St. John Paul II, and it's going to be on Divine Mercy Sunday. So there's no better place to be than Poland on Divine Mercy Sunday to visit St. Faustina. So go to selectinternationaltours.com. Join us. We'd love to have you with us. That's April 3rd through the 14th. Uh, we're only going to take a small group. It's going to be a very intimate group, so we don't want a massive multiple bus pilgrimage because we want to spend time with you, and we want it to be edifying not only spiritually, but also we have a great time together in fellowship. So go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmancho and join us in Poland April 3rd through the 14th with Father Patrick Briscoe. See you there. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. We're talking about the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. We're drinking this delicious whiskey from the Catholic Man Show Glen Karen glasses. By the way, guys, if you become a patron of the Catholic Man Show, $10 more a month, we will send you a glass for free the first month that you... Uh, Jim will send it. We won't. Jim sends you guys a, a glass. But Glenn, he's so good at sending things. Yeah. Um, for free as a thank you. That means we actually lose money the first month, but it's a... Like we because we don't take the Patreon money for ourselves, we roll it back into the show. We thought like this would be a really cool way in which we could give back to uh, those who want to support us. So one of the things we also do in December, we we've become kind of famous for uh, from our patrons at least is we send Christmas cookies. The cookies, uh, and uh, Elizabeth Schroeder is the one. Dizzy Lizzie Cupcakery uh, provides us with uh, sends out. Uh, Christmas cookies for everybody. So we're they're delicious. By the time you're listening to this, if you do not sign up within the day or two, you probably won't be able to make it on the list uh, this go around. However, uh, we do really uh, appreciate your support. After you support your your parishes and your other charities that uh, in your local community that need your support, uh, we would love your support and take you know uh, uh, the opportunity to send you these thank you gifts. And uh, show a little bit of sign of appreciation for uh, your support. So, patreon.com slash the Catholic Man Show. We love your support. Uh, we're also going to Poland. We are going to Poland. With Father Briscoe. And you know who else may be coming? Yeah. Father, Father Bonaventure. Father Bonaventure, yeah. which we've had on the show as well. Yeah. Both of them. I saw that today and I was like, oh, baby. Yeah. Who uh, he carries around with him at all times a relic of Sister Faustina, St. Faustina. I wonder if he'll give it to me. He will not. I don't think so. I'll ask. You should ask. I'll ask. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, if you, we were going to go to the Holy Land. I will name. Be I will to. name my next child Bonaventure, even if it's a girl. Wow. I will name it Bonaventure Faustina. So go by Faustina. My next child will be Bon. If he gives me that relic, I make a solemn vow. I will do it. <laughs> Bonaventure Faustina would be a sweet name. Maybe you should talk to your wife. I, I will, but I'll just have to tell her. I'll have to talk to her to let her know <laughs> this is what, what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Voluntarily. I, you know what, babe? I made a solemn vow. <laughs> yeah. Kind of happened quickly. No pressure. But I did it. No one pressured me to do it. So um, So anyway, okay, so we're talking about the But mass. it's conditional, assuming he gives he me did. the relic. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about the mass. Okay, so we're talking about the profundity of what happens. And so... Um, it, it goes on to say, it is therefore of the greatest importance that the celebration of the Mass or the Lord's Supper be so ordered that the sacred ministers and the faithful taking part in it, according to the state proper to each, may draw from it more abundantly those fruits to obtain which Christ the Lord instituted the Eucharistic sacrifice of his body and blood and entrusted it as a memorial of his passion and resurrection to the church, his beloved bride. You know, and so the Mass is of the greatest importance. That's correct. So celebrating the Mass beautifully is required by the very nature of the celebration and to which the Christian people have a right and duty in virtue of their baptism. Okay? So, um, one thing it mentions about the churches itself. You know, what kind of church should the Mass be celebrated in? Um, it should says it should be suitable for carrying out the sacred action and for ensuring the active participation of the faithful. Moreover, the sacred buildings and 
requisite uh, for divine worship should be truly worthy and beautiful and be to be signs and symbols of heavenly realities. So I have a hard I have a hard stance on this. Okay. What is it? Burn them down, burn down the ugly ones. Well, you know, you go to you go to Ireland. Mhm. And as long as they didn't mess up in the 60s and redo the the inside of of some of them. 60s, man, it was such a dumb time. Um it they're absolutely beautiful, right? Like right. the reason why you go on You can tell like when you go there, and I'm sure it's true a lot of places. Oh, Here's the original church, right? And then there's what you did, you know, fifty years ago, because you thought that looked good, and it doesn't. It right. just doesn't. So thousands of people, tens or maybe hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of people flock to these places every year. It's really to 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 see the churches, to pray in the churches, mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. make a pilgrimage around the churches. Yeah. Uh, when you come to Tulsa, you know. As Catholics were like, oh, make sure you go check out Holy Family Cathedral. It's beautiful. Yeah, and it is. And it is. And this is what we we, we tell people to do, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think every church should be that way. Every Catholic church should be that way. I think that if if you... It's not practical that the cathedral would be built every time, you know, with... No, I'm not saying... You know, with like 80-foot ceilings I'm not saying it's a rinse and repeat, but I'm saying that every church... It should be... It should should be... be, They should all be made... They should be made beautifully. beautifully. It should be set apart from all the buildings. Part of the problem is that um, parishes of, uh, because there are fewer priests, mm-hmm. by necessity, the parishes need to be bigger. And it becomes less practical to build. I mean, once you start building huge buildings, mm-hmm. you know, and then you try to like, oh, let's add some, like, let's get some marble columns up in this piece. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, we need a hundred. You know, or whatever. Right. And so if if we had smaller parishes, not only would we have better community, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, but you'd also be able to more reasonably afford. Yeah. And I it's understand that that does mean you're building more churches, which actually might cost more, but just locally, I, I just think it's more practical, more feasible, right? Yep. So... Um, but it's I appreciate it here that it said that the Christian people have a right and duty to this beauty to this like this because of the nature of the celebration by virtue of their baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it does say also that the ornamentation of a church should contribute towards its noble simplicity rather than to its ostentation. Yeah, and see, I think if I remember correctly, no, I have. Listen, I have I have not done a lot of this research uh-huh. in, in a long time, but I remember uh, vaguely reading something about like that the noble simplicity was an addition to the Sacrosanctum Concilium um, wording uh, in Vatican II that was not the case before that point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what, what that means, right? Um, because if you go to St. Coleman's in Ireland, <clears throat> there's nothing noble simplicity, like, it's not... Noble yeah. simplicity. Yeah, but it's not gaudy. You know, it's not It's not just trying to show off. So ostent- if it was ostentatious, mm-hmm. it would be overly decorated just simply just to, like, show off. But but I think it might, like... So the, it is a good question. Can you even do that in a church? Is it even right. possible in a church? Because you're doing it for the glory of God. You show off on all these other things. If your house... Looked like right. St. Coleman's Cathedral. It'd be like, really? It's a, li- it's really, a, a really, lack bro? of decorum. Right. You really think a lot about your living room. Mm-hmm. Sweet living room, bro. Right. A uh, little overboard, you know. But in a church, like, can you do? Can it be too beautiful? You know? What, what does that mean? I don't know. It's like, can a woman be too beautiful? Like, Can a car go too fast? Yeah, I don't know. There's a country well, song Actually, a car, a car actually can. Go too fast. It's, it's, uh, if at least if I'm in it, yeah, it can. Get, it's just a country song. I don't want to be in it. Yeah, but no, I know. I was, I was referring to the country song. Okay. Um, so anyway, that's what it says about the church building. Um, and so, like these, the rest of these uh, topics here, they're in no particular order. Okay. So interesting thing that um, when you're celebrating mass with the bishop, um, celebrations that take place with the bishop presiding, and especially in 
the celebration of the Eucharistic, when the, when the bishop himself is celebrating the Eucharist, not just sitting in choir. Mm-hmm. Um, the mystery of the church is manifest more fully because you have the bishop who is like, you know, the fullness of the priesthood, the apostle. Mm-hmm. So you have the kind of a, a better representation of the full mysteries. Hence, mm. solemn celebrations of the mass of this sort must be exemplary for the di- for the entire diocese. So it is the role, one of the jobs of um, the, what's the place? What's the church where the bishop's chair is? Cathedral. Thank you. That word, that's the word. <laughs> Part of the job of the cathedral is to set an exemplary, um, ex- set an example for the liturgy being done well for the rest mm-hmm. of the diocese, mm-hmm. right? That it should be kind of raising the bar um, as far as the liturgy goes. So that's I think that's important. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it, it's very clear in here about how the Mass is not to be altered. It says the like pr- altered, like changed. Changed, yes, modified. The priest will remember that he is the servant of the sacred liturgy and that he himself is not permitted on his own initiative to add, to remove, or to change anything in the celebration of the Mass. Since the celebration of that Mass is by its nature, nature a communitarian character, both the dialogues between the priest and the assembled faithful and the acclamations are of great significance. For they are not simply outward signs of communal celebration, but foster and bring about communion between the priest and the people. Um, these acclamations and the responses of the faithful to the priest's greeting and prayers continue, um, con- oh, constitute that level of active participation. So you can't change what those words are. Certainly not the, the, uh, you know, the prayer of the Eucharist, right? And, and Eucharistic I, prayer. If you do that, you don't actually have the Eucharist anymore. If you change the Eucharistic prayer, yeah, you know, you could invalidate the entire mass. Yeah, and part of this is like, you know, this is the beauty of, uh, of it by not changing it. All the masses said throughout the world for all of eternity is united in this prayer yeah. together. You know, and so yeah. like, this And not is, that the mass hasn't changed. Many things of the mass have changed many times. In fact, I want to just touch on that when we get back on the other side of the break. Just briefly, and then we'll and we'll continue on. Okay. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're talking about the Mass. So uh, we were just talking about, you know, you can't alter the Mass. And I can just hear a lot of people, I can hear what they're saying. Dave, the Mass has been changed many times. Okay? And it has. Church has the authority to, like, there was one point in, in history where there were, like, every single religious order had their own right and, like, way of celebrating the Mass. Which and isn't that many religious. Yeah, it was like, you know, probably 20 in the within like the Latin four. Well, whatever there, there was there was a time when there were many many varieties, yeah. you know. Um and so at one point the church said, you know what, we need more unity. The point is the church and the mass has changed many times. Um and I think there's a there's a temptation to think that oh, older versions of it are better versions. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some merit to that to that argument. Mm-hmm. Not always. It's not always like the argument that just wins. I mean, if you think about it, like, okay, well, what if you go back really far? Would you want to like the original mass? Yeah, let's all get around and like and like sit at tables that is real clicky and like not let the poor people sit with us and we can just get drunk. I'll bring our own food. Like in it, like if you look read the Acts of the Apostles, like the early Christians. St. Paul is admonishing them because they're coming to the Lord's Supper, like bringing their own food, not letting the, like, the poor people in the community sit with them, and they're drinking too much. And it's like, that's obviously not the Mass we want to go back to, you know? Um, so the church has the authority, and in her wisdom, she decides, proclaims, 
uh, what the mass is. And sometimes she makes a change, and then after a while says, yeah, we'll go back to the way it was. So maybe she'll do that again in the future. Who knows? But that's what she does. And the mass we have today is beautiful when celebrated beautifully. You have a look on your face like you... uh, like you don't want to add anything to what I just said. <laughs> There's a lot of claims that I'm, I'm not not sure about. Let's talk about silence. Okay, good idea. I like. I... Sacred silence is also um, part uh, to be part of the celebration is to be observed as it, at designated times, even before the celebration itself. It is praise. It is a praiseworthy practice for silence to be observed in the church in the sacristy, in the vesting room, and in adjacent areas, so that all may dispose themselves to carry out the sacred celebration in a devout and fitting manner. I think this is a really, this is an important thing. Um, and it's, not, it's before the Mass and after the Mass, during the Mass. I think that there's kind of a temptation to fill up quiet time, like... like oh, they're not... Yeah, there's definitely a temptation. Yeah. Even to the point where, and I'm not, like, I love the rosary, obviously. Uh-huh. But to the point where it's, oh, well, let's just pray the rosary before the Mass. And then right after the rosary, then music uh, before the Mass. Yeah. And then it's like... Just like to, like we need to be entertained or something. And, like, I love when people gather together to pray, pray the rosary, obviously. Sure. Not not. I, th- I think all. you're anti-rosary, Adam. Yeah. But uh, I do wish at times... That you like you are, are allowing the individual to prepare their soul and prepare themselves Just with silence, with silence mm-hmm. to enter into that the mystery of. I agree. Uh, well, and and there can be times. I'm not blaming anybody for this, but you know, right after the communion, right after communion, priest and the deacon purifying the the vessels, um, and most of the time the organist will play something. And honestly, I think that's okay. Uh, because it, as long as as long as it's they're playing something that isn't distracting, certain kind of music can help elevate the mind, right? Because mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it's a it's an art. Uh, so I, I'm not opposed to that, but I also think it would be fine if it was just quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, we just we just all received um, the King of Glory into our bodies, right? Like it. Can, it, we, it take, can we take a minute? Right. It would be okay. If it was quiet, yeah. you know, and we could all like meditate instead of because the thing is, even if you're playing the right kind of music and it's well done, it still can be like something interesting to listen to, and a lot of people will sit there and enjoy the music instead of because if there was just nothing, there would be nothing to distract them on, and they would maybe like, oh wow, you know, th- actually think about what just happened, mm-hmm. um, and that's just kind of a even if you're not doing it on purpose, like you just find yourself being distracted sometimes. Whereas if there's quiet, it's harder to be distracted. I remember growing up, you know, when you enter the sanctuary, like my parents telling me like, you don't talk in the sanctuary. Right, yeah. Like as you're entering into mass, you know, into the sanctuary before mass and as you're leaving, like we're, we don't talk during this. This is the, a holy place. Mm-hmm. Um, and... For some reason, that has kind of that tradition seems to be wavering at at, at places and at times. But I think it, I think it's a beautiful thing to allow the people in in the pews after holy, the holy sacrifice of the mass to allow them to offer up prayers of thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, you know, to our Lord for, right. for what they just received in quiet in prayer. It should always be quiet in the sanctuary, mm-hmm. always. And one thing that really bugs me is right after Mass, people start talking. You know, I get it. You're all walking out, and you know, you're kind of in a slow, you know, you're in line trying to leave. Mm-hmm. And you're right next to somebody you know. It's kind of awkward not mm-hmm. to say hello to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have, you can like, you know, give them a head nod, put your hand on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. And if you must say something, you can whisper, mm-hmm. right? That's that's fine. It's, it just really bothers me when you've got people carrying on. There's some people who will sit there in the aisle and carry on a conversation, and that that actually does it offends my sensibilities uh, because at the end of the day, and they're not doing it on purpose. I know they're not, but mm-hmm. 
it just shows a lack of respect for our Lord who's present in the tabernacle, right? And just we just we just need more education. Um, we all do. Is that you know? But it does it does bug me. So um, l- let's move on to the Eucharistic prayer. There are eight parts to the Eucharistic prayer. <laughs> I had no idea there were so many, and we'll just go through them quickly. Okay. The very first is Thanksgiving, in which the priest, in the name of the whole people, glorifies God the Father and gives him thanks for what we have. Uh-huh. There's the acclamation which the whole congregation, joining with the heavenly powers, sings the holy, holy, holy. There's the epiclesis. Um, So this is the moment where the uh, priest extends his hands over the gifts of bread and wine, and the first bell is rung. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there's the um, consecration. Then there's the anamnesis, which I believe is the word, one of the words that is translated when when Jesus says, do this in memory of me. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the word memory is anamnesis in some of the translations, um, which it just is like it means a fulfilling of the command that the church has received through the apostles. What relic would you have to receive to be able to name your kid, your next child, Epiclesis Amnesis? Anamnesis? Yeah. You know what? Anamnesis. It's like you, there's, you could like, oh, Anna. Mm-hmm. You could go that's by. Why went, that's why I went with Epiclesis first. Yeah. That'd be an epic name, though. I don't know. I'd have to think about. I don't want to be too hasty in you know, twice in one episode. You know what? Yeah. All right. Good question, Man, though, Adam. Good that, question. That is a prudent answer. Thank you. I'm growing. Mm-hmm. So then there's the oblation, uh, which is the church in particular gathered here um, offers the unblemished sacrif- sacrificial victim in the Holy Spirit to the Father. Okay. So now we have Jesus present in the Eucharist. Now he's being offered. Um, there's the intercession. Uh, where basically, where is like asking uh, for the you know graces for the for the people mm. and the concluding doxology um, by which glorification of God is expressed and which is affirmed concluded by the people's acclamation, Amen. Let's talk about the sign of peace. Okay, it is appropriate. Yes, it is appropriate that each person, in a sober manner, offer the sign of peace. Only to those who are nearest. Hmm. So we're not climbing over pews? No, we're not leaving our seat. My my kids, I've, I've had to, we've had talks. Yeah. Well, they see other people you, doing it, I think. You and know? when you have uh, some children who are very outgoing and uh, extroverted, mm-hmm. and there's a moment in a very solemn, uh, you know, event and all of a sudden, it is appropriate to start talking to everybody and right. say hi to everybody. Yeah. Oh, let's do that. I yeah. love this part. Yeah. Yeah. So it is uh, only the people who are nearest you. Okay. So, you know, person to your left, person to your right. Obviously, like, hey, what I always give the first person I give the sign of peace to, to, to your wife, is to my wife. To your spouse. Okay. Yeah. Obviously. Now, if she's far away, I'm not going to like... Then you just... I'm not... I mean, yeah. Give her the eyebrows. Yeah. Like, peace be with you, babe. Yeah. Hey. Peace. To you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you were looking peaceful today. Mm. But that's it. And then just like, the, you know, like it's the person in the pew in front of you wants to turn around. Great. If you want to turn around to the person behind you, awesome. Like slap some peace on them. <laughs> but uh, we do not need, there's, that's it. Okay. It's just, it's just a disruption for what, like Jesus is on the the holy sacrifice, the, the altar. And it does, it, 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 I didn't put it in here, but it does go into like how priests should not be going into the congregation hmm. to like... I haven't seen that in a long time. No, I know, but it... Thanks well, be to God. It's probably because they put it in here in the general instructions. Um, so the altar. This is, this is one spot where it's like, man, our own parish, I think, could do a little better. Or should be a table. We have a wooden table, which is allowed. At the very after, like after saying, like you shouldn't have, you should have a stone altar. It should be permanent. It should be not movable. At the very end, it does say a movable altar may be constructed of any noble and solid material suited to liturgical use. It's like, unless of course you can't do all those things, then fine, you can do whatever. Yeah. Uh, so hey, we're gonna continue this on uh, the podcast. If you're listening, go to thecatholicmetro.com. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus.
Boo, barely squeeze that in. Yeah. All right. So, but basically, it was just saying that it should be made of stone, mm-hmm. natural stone. Um, and you got to have, you have to have candles, at least two candles. If the bishop is celebrating, you're supposed to have seven, seven candles. Um, otherwise, six. The bishop always gets like his extra, extra one candle. Um, but there were, uh, I forget who was telling me, like old monasteries back in the day, and the stories are probably exaggerated. What? But about how it took like 50 oxen or 100 oxen to pull this like piece of rock, this, you know, slab. Mm-hmm. It was so big and so permanent, mm-hmm. right? Like, and they're bragging about how many animals it took to get the the altar in there, right? Yeah. Um, but there is, it, the reason for that is because it's a sign of permanence, mm-hmm. right? Um like we do, we have a, a wood table at our church. It's just always been that way, you know. It's kind of one of those things. Started in the eighties. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things. Like at this point, there's, there's, it would, it would take a lot to get a new altar. Not, not just because the pre, not, not because our priest wouldn't be down for that, right? But the, I'm sure that many of the parishioners who have been there for a long time would just be offended at the idea of getting rid of the original altar, you know? At least it's it is just it's nice wood. It's not it's not weird, you know. Right. It's just a pretty st- it's a stout wooden table. But it could be it could be a nice stout rock altar. That would be cool too. Um talk about genuflecting just a little bit. Um just because you know we genuflect when you come into the church, you genuf- you genuflect to the tabernacle. Uh, but once mass begins, you don't genuflect anymore. You bow to the altar, okay? Because um, once mass has begun, the altar takes precedence. Because there there would be no tabernacle without the altar, right? Uh, you know, without the altar, there's there's no consecration, mm-hmm. there's no sacrifice, and so it se- it does seem a little bit weird to be bowing to the table when Jesus is still present in the in the tabernacle. It's like, well, why aren't we still reverencing, genuflecting to the tabernacle? Um, and, but that's why. It's because now the sacrifice of the Mass is taken, is, is begun, and so uh, we reverence the altar because it actually has, takes precedent in the, in the hierarchy of symbols. Um, the other thing is that we genuflect on our right knee, Um which you know everybody does unless you're a kid and you just get it wrong. But um, when you go before royalty, the go tradition is to yeah to genuflect on your left knee. However, your right knee is reserved for, for the king of kings. For the king of kings, that's right, baby. Um, what else is on here? I saw there somewhere where you said your pet peeves. Oh, my pet peeves. This is not in the germ, but it is a pet peeve. <laughs> You you mean there's not an appendix of Dave's pet peeves in the there, I you know I'm submitting I'm submitting some stuff to see if they will update it. Okay. Yeah, let's just let's we can go there. Um and I knew the first one. I knew what it was going to be. Yeah. Extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. I got have gotten me in trouble once before. Okay. As we talked about earlier. I feel like I'm on safe ground here. Okay. Actually, I know I am. There are some extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion who feel the need to bless your children when you come up there, okay? And I appreciate the sentiment, all right? I am not anti-blessing, right? I'm pro-blessing, pro all the blessings, okay? But you can't do that, all right? Like, you don't, like... First of all, you don't have authority over these children, okay? And just because you're holding a bowl of Jesus doesn't give you magic spiritual power, okay? That would be awesome if it worked that way, right? Like, think about the world problems we could solve if that was the way it worked. It doesn't work that way, okay? So, if you're an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion... 
you cannot, you cannot bless someone. I understand the predicament because many people come up expecting a blessing. Like they'll come up to you and you're distributing our Lord and cross their arms and they want you to bless them. That's what they came up for. You can say, may God bless you. Have mercy on your soul. Sinner, get out of here. But you can, you can say, may God bless you. When you do so, you should not be holding, don't hold up the Eucharist and say, may God bless you, because it it looks like, it, it's, it's the reason you shouldn't do that is because is it's scandalous. It looks like and gives the appearance as if you are holding up Christ, which is sort of like a priestly action, and blessing that person with the Eucharist, which you can't do. You're, I mean, you're not a priest. Um, so, Stop! Stop what you're doing. Um, One thing I, I really like because I understand the need for extraordinary Eucharistic ministers on yeah. some occasions. Yeah, and like we said, parishes have I, gotten so large. Right. I mean, yes, it, it is every Sunday. That's yeah, because well, when you have you know eighteen hundred families right. showing up on Sunday, I understand it. It has to. It has to be. More than just the priest. I think that we kind of take advantage of those at, some, at times. Um, but I also think I really like what Father Larry Richards does in his parish, where he says, like, if you want to be an extraordinary Eucharistic minister, you have to do something extraordinary, which means you have to at least sign up for one hour of adoration a week. If you want to be an extraordinary Eucharist, Eucharistic minister, I like it. You have to have you have to have an adoration hour every week. I dig that. And I really like that. I do too. Um, while I think that, you know, I, 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 do, I, I like that. I do too. Yeah, because just had, I'm trying to curb myself here. Just to, there is um, what the, the church talks about. You know, there's ordinary ministers, holy communion, obviously the priest, the deacon, the bishop, um, and then there are the acolytes. Okay, so, mm-hmm. and we don't really have acolytes. We do have some who are seminarians, right? That's you know, like, if if you're in seminary, <clears throat> you get to a point as you're approaching or, ordination. <clears throat> well, yeah, but you're a deacon, so like, you're well, beyond on the way. You're be you're yeah yeah that's true yeah that's true. <clears throat> if you're approaching ordination, you um, you'll you'll first get this stage of be, be, becoming an acolyte. And it's supposed to be a stable office, right? Like, it's a lifelong position. And so, you know, it's supposed to be of, like, I forget the words, but of good character and, um, you know, supposed to be like someone who's has essentially a good spiritual reputation. So we don't really have any of those. I, I don't know if there used to be, a, if there was a time where, like, oh, yeah, I just am an acolyte. That's, that's all I am, and I help with distribution of Holy Communion. But there is a sense that, hey, because that those people are also reserved for this function when when needed, it does it does give you the sense that the church is saying, you know, this isn't this isn't something for just anybody to come up and do, right? And that there there is kind of like a, it, this is not fall into the category of active participation, right? Okay, it, you don't have like the right. Mm-hmm. to become an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion. It should be something that, you know, is reserved for people who are of, of, of you know, for, of a sp- particular spiritual level or, um, you know, a catechist. You know, it, it should be people like that who are on the, the side of helping people grow in their spiritual life, right? Because like, I just think it fulfills the symbol of receiving communion, like if you're going to be receiving our Lord from this person, I think it's that it's better fulfilled in someone who is in the habit of giving, you know, of, of bringing Christ to people, right? And so if that's not something that you can really say like, yes, I bring Christ to people, you know, I'm not sure if like that's going to actually stop anybody from, yeah. from signing up. But I, re- I really do think that we should be more critical in the people we have as our extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. 
And they should be educated enough to know that you can't bless my kids if I come up up the line. You know, because I don't even ask them for a blessing. I just have to bring, I have to bring my one-year-old, okay? I can't leave her in the pew by herself. She'll cry. And it would be mean. Anyway. Anything else on here you want to talk about? No, it was hashtag baby boomers. Hashtag baby boomers. That's the, they're, they're the ones who bless your kids, all right? <laughs> it's just true, all right? I like many baby boomers, okay? I'm not hating on them, but it is. It's a baby boomer thing to do, to try to give you a blessing. Mm-hmm. Again, this is not... I, I think the pushback a lot of times is you hear, like, oh, this is all the pomp and circumstance and all these different things uh, that... Um, distract us from what's really going on and it's the exact opposite yeah, it's that it, it, totally it, it's not it's not that we're trying to do pomp and circumstances for the sake of just doing that it's for our lord pomp and circumstance is supposed to keep us focused on the fact right. that it's it's christ right because if it if we really believe that that's the god of the universe right like then there's no pomp and circumstance that's too much well, and like the, he's the more, God, and the more you engage, the more more senses, the more you can like be engaged and involved. That's just a, that's just a sensible thing to say, right? I mean, like think about your kids, mm-hmm. right? If you uh, if if you're praying and they get to hold a rosary rather than praying, mm-hmm. they're, they're a little bit more involved. If they get to light the candle yeah. while holding a rosary right. and praying, then they're a little bit more involved. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're having incense. On top of that, like, you know, like the more you can, like, the smell and the feel and the touch and the, you know, the sounds and, like, if the more you can engage the senses, the more you can participate and enter into. Totally. I don't know. Like, I know that there will be people who, who hate this episode, and that's that's okay. Um, the only reason why we're wanting to talk about it is because we want to do what the church says. We want to do uh, the the absolute best we humanly can for the most important thing that is on this earth, which is the Mass. That's right. I mean, I have, like like we said, I have my own liturgical preferences that um, that are not 100% in line with the way Mass is celebrated at my parish. And that's not at all a reflection on my pastor. Okay, we have a a fantastic pastor— um, it's just not the culture of the way things have been done, right? And the way we do Mass at, at St. Benedict's is good, okay? I, I really enjoy, I think, um, like, we have a lot of good um, beauty in, in the way we incorporate Latin and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things that I really love, okay? The point that I think is important here is that um, this is what the Church has given us, and we have a duty to be obedient to receive it, right? And so the Mass being so important, if you don't know, well, why do we do this? What is the meaning behind this particular action? For instance, why do we all stand at the same time? Well, because the, the Church wants us to be there in unity. It's one thing we didn't talk about is um, common posture among all the faithful, and how... We should all be in RN's posture. Right, and, we sh- and, and how it's really, we should, like, we're obliged to hold hands during the Our Father, mm-hmm. Right. That's a joke. If you don't know, you're not supposed to hold hands during the Father. Or the, or the you can Father. hold hands with people, all right? If you want to hold hands... If you do it with at any, somebody you don't know, but, it makes it a little awkward. But you can hold hands with them at the Our Father just as much as you could at any other time in the Mass. So just like, if, the, if you're next to another dude and you hold hands with him during the Our Father, just think about like, what if during a different part of the Mass, I just reached over... And held his hand. Like, think about how weird that would be. I know it's not as weird because you just kind of think you're expected to, but actually you're not. There's no... The holding hand things, I have no idea where that came from. Look, the 70s was a weird time, right? And it just stuck around or something, right? So, it's but... Being, it's being weeded out, though. It is. Praise God. Thank you, COVID, for finally ending the hand-holding. You remember, like, you'd go to, like, some parishes, and they would leave the pew, 
and extend across the aisles. Oh, yeah. yeah like, yeah. no, we have to absolutely touch everybody. Yeah. If, look, if we're not all touching, it doesn't work. It doesn't okay? count. You have to build the... It has to be like a circuit. It's like elect... Right. Don't you know anything about electricity? Right. Right? Um, the, yeah, the hand-holding is going down. Um, but the, the postures, that they're important, not because there's like magical significance to them, but... Um, because it shows like there's a unity of posture, it, it it's a part of our worship, because it's important to remember that we're not here as individuals in the Mass. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're actually here as a community. This is a, a communal worship. Mm-hmm. And that's really important, because it's, a, I think, something that we don't talk about enough. It's just like, what that means for my spiritual life. Okay, obviously I have a, a private prayer life, but I also have a communal spiritual life. And that means that I'm a member of a body, okay, that I have been welcomed into a community. And because of that, there are obligations that have been put on me at my baptism as being a member of this community, right? And so we have a way that we do things. We have a culture, and that culture is informed by the liturgy. And so it's important that we that we like do it well because this is the height of our of our existence here at mass. Mm-hmm. So um, we should just all be informed. There's a lot of other things in the germ that are nice. The germ is a if you go and get it, it's actually a small, a small easy read. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you guys to go get it, read it, and the the Roman Missal because there's more interesting stuff in there that I think may help elevate your mind and soul during the mass. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.